great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. In the year 2525, if man still alive if woman can survive they may find in the year 35 35 ain't gonna need to tell the truth tell no lies everything you think do and say is in the bill you took today in the Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world from our studio in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call, one 877 That is to the broadcast center of the Talkstar Radio Network in Titusville, Florida. If you'd like to give us a call here at the X-Zone Studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, Monday through Friday from 10, PM East, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern until 5 p.m. Eastern, our toll-free number is one 800 610 7035. My email address, xzone at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. Our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. As you know, Exxone Nation, we've been talking quite a bit lately about December 21st, 2012, and there's a new movie that is coming out about that date. And joining me this hour is E.P. Grandin, Ed Grandin, and I are going to be discussing not only the 2012 movie, we're going to be talking about what's new at NASA, Comic Impact, and we're also going to be talking about Atlantis. That's this hour here in the X-Zone, and joining me now is Ed Grandin. Ed, thanks very much for joining us tonight, and uh, tell me, what's your first impression of the new 2012 movie that's coming out on November 13th? Well, it's going to be a great movie because they got great special effects. Uh, the problem is that shifts of the Earth's crust do not happen. Mm. A little minor problem with that. Uh, just like the crust didn't shift in the year 2000. Uh, it 
we looked at the physics of this in regards to the largest comet and asteroid impacts, and what they found was that the force required for a crustal shift to the Earth would be sufficient to fracture the Earth into asteroids. Wow. So if this was to happen where the, shi- where the uh, crust is shifting, we would be in one heck of a mess. There wouldn't be any... The, the crust can't shift. If, it, if there's sufficient force to shift the crust, mm-hmm. then the planet fractures. So I guess what that, we're saying is that sensationalism is the key word in this new 2012 movie. Exactly. Exactly. But actually, they're tapping into a long stream of occult lore. Oh, it's quite fascinating how this actually came about. Uh, I'll go into the background on this. What happened was is that we lost our comet impact. Our European comet impact lore was lost. The Roman government suppressed the astronaut, uh, the Etruscan memories of this, and the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, was promoting a Pythagorean worldview, so they suppressed the works of the Greek astronomers. Mm-hmm. Also, the the religions of the Druids and other religions who held the impact memories were suppressed as well. Uh, Europe wasn't hit except for at Bazaz, which occurred in 580 A.D., and it was Pelagian heretics who were hit. Uh, where the stuff started off at was with the, uh, a German classical scholar named Johann Radloff. And they, uh, he wrote a pamphlet. He was trying to find an explanation for asteroids and comets. And he thought that the parent body of the asteroids had fractured at the time of Noah's flood, and it caused a pole shift. And he's published a book on this in about 1823. This was picked up on by Sanson. Arnold McKay, uh, who was working with the Order of Luxor um, with Madame Blavatsky as a theosophist. Oh, yeah, right, yes. Pardon? I, I remember her very, uh, very well, and uh, there's been yeah, a lot talked about. exactly. And she hung around with the Augustus and Alice Laplangeon, mm-hmm. who were looking for a reason for the end of Atlantis. And the pole shifts were an accept, or crustal shifts were an acceptable theory at that time. All right, Ed, stand by. You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. This is going to be one very interesting hour. ExoNation, Ed Grandin is my special guest, and his website is manandimpactsintheamericas.blogspot.com. That's manandimpactsintheamericas.blogspot.com. Ed Grandin and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue our investigation into the year 2012 here on the Talkstar Radio Network in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the Exxon on Talkstar. My special guest for this hour is Ed Grondine. His website is www.manandimpactsintheamericas.blogspot.com. 
dot com. That's Man and Impacts in the Americas dot blogspot dot com. All right, Ed, let's go back a little bit uh, and, and and talk about the the sensationalistic aspect behind the the year 2012 December the 21st and and why do you think so many people around the world are looking towards doom and gloom instead of saying you know what this may be nothing but a bunch of bunk uh well you know generally there's causes for fears in our life we have the ongoing um conflict in the middle east mm-hmm. we have the economic problems that everybody faces uh, also, I think we have a, a kind of a racial memory of the impact events, catastrophic impact events. You know, there's these holes in our history that just aren't explained. Right. And and so people are saying, what happened? And that, that fear is there, and then people offer explanations. What do you think is going to happen on December the 21st, 2012? Uh, absolutely nothing. You know, the people that are uh, doing this will uh, have big parties and mm-hmm. go to the bank. That's about it. Sensationalism leads, and sensationalism certainly does sell. And uh, where, if any place, would the Mayans have received any of the information that the proponents of the 2012 scenario are, are, are prophesying. For example, how did they, where did the Mayans get the, get the knowledge of astronomy that they apparently had? Well, I, uh, that's a good question. Uh, there's some trans-Pacific contact. Apparently there's some, uh, one, some, some researchers think that the calendars are similar to those of uh, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, taking canoes brought brought across, uh, it's uh, indigenous to a certain degree. Uh, but i got to say, the Mayan themselves, in this movie, one of the things is that it starts off with Maya people killing themselves. And the Maya, today's Maya, uh, think this is a joke, and they're deeply offended by the European exploitation of their culture. If you go to New Age frauds and plastic shamans, you can see some of the... Uh, some of the reaction, Mayan reaction to this stuff that's coming down. Uh, the, uh, uh, I'd like to pick it back up with sure. with what goes on with the industry here that we have. Uh, Blavatsky got together with Augustus and Alice Plongeon in New York City, and at that point, uh, religions with a belief in reincarnation were tied into the idea of a crustal shift. So that uh, that religious beliefs exploited. Uh, you know, there's many people that believe in reincarnation, and they mm-hmm. offer them some bad science along with that. Uh, it specifically went... Uh, from New York and Augustus and Alice Laplongeon, the Theosophists, Bobazzi's groups, the Rosicrucians, mm-hmm. James Church Ward, and then there was a group out at Mount Shasta, which was Lillian Bentz, her follower, Bear T. Spaulding, then Howard John Zicko, Robert D. Stell, and that was stolen by a cult leader named Richard Kanninger, and his business partner, David Hatcher Childress, with Adventures Unlimited Press, then continued that on out. 
there is actually an entire mailing list ring that goes after Avengers Unlimited Press, going to Ancient American Magazine, to Nexus, Atlantis Rising. And uh, so this is generally promoted through this, through this mailing list operation. So basically we're looking at expert marketing? Very much so. Very much so. Essentially, uh, uh, a theosophist belief system is marketed through a computerized mailing list operation. All right. So the movie 2012, I believe that it's going to make good bucks at the uh, at the box office. The the new movie that is out, Paranormal Activity, is number two. On its first day, it cleared 16 million dollars. Uh, we also have, uh, what is it, uh, CE4, Alien Abductions, coming out, and we also have mm-hmm. Goat Whispers that is coming out, uh, which is about remote viewing. Why do you think, Ed, now, why do you think that so many people in this day and age are, are looking to these movies for some enlightenment? Well, I think there's, I think you have to separate the 2012 from the other movies here. I mean, 2012 will have great special effects. Mm-hmm. You know, and it'll be a thrill a minute. Uh, people do have experiences that uh, cause them to believe in a reincarnation. Uh, people have uh, paranormal experiences. Uh, people have experiences of alien uh, abduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and th- these are certainly fascinating. I mean, it's certainly fascinating to contemplate if there's, you know, if we are being visited by intelligent beings from another planet, uh, for example, and and actually as to man's own psychic power. I mean, many people have had psychic experiences of one sort or another. Uh, and, you know, you, and you try and find some kind of framework to put them within, and you also want to talk about them and share them. You know, you're not crazy. You've actually had this experience, and it's a so it, they share, uh, and other people are fascinated by it. So what do you think the general, um, the general reaction of the public is going to be come December the 1st, 2012? And they've had, now we're going to be looking at uh, two years, three years worth of hype going into the state. What do you think they're going to do when they wake up December the 22nd, 2012, and the world isn't destroyed. It's going to be the same world, maybe with a new awareness and a new awakening, but still, it's not the end of the world. How do you think the public is going to react to the, to the prophets and to those who have been selling them a bill of goods about the world coming to an end? Well, uh, so far, they've gotten away with it uh, without, you know, and never been called to account. Uh, the people that uh, make people afraid and then sell them their fears, you know, then there's been nobody to call them down on mm-hmm. it. And uh, what the Mayan people, what the Mayan daykeepers did talk about was the return of the Mayan people to dignity. I'd like to mention also that we are going to have Common Schwarzman Wachman three coming through the inner solar system in 2011, and th- this is going to further make this is going to be used to make people afraid as well. It's going to be on the other side of the solar system on that pass. 2022, we have some problems. Uh, if we get hit by fragments like we've got hit before, we could have up to a five-kiloton blast. 
there's several of them someplace on the surface of the earth in the year 2022, and that's a real worry. It's not a made-up one. 2022, um, tell us more about that date. Well, uh, Schwarzman-Walkman 3 is a short-period comet. It'll be coming through the inner solar system. uh came through in 2006. It'll come through in 2011. It'll come through in 2017. Mm-hmm. But uh, those passes have been pretty far away from us. 2022, we're going to be in the midst of a 6.8 million kilometer long debris chain. Uh, you know, in a 30 meter ch- dead chunk of comet, it will cause a five kiloton blast, and they have. Uh, uh, if two of the chunks stick together, you're looking up to up to 15 megatons, something like we had at Tunguska. So it's it's quite worrisome right now. Earlier today, you and I were talking about the new NASA. We were talking about the 2012 movie, Climate Impact, and our conversation led us to Atlantis. Now, what is the connection between Atlantis and what we're seeing these days? Well, uh, there was a impact mega tsunami in the Atlantic Ocean sometime around 1000 B.C., about 1050 B.C. All mm-hmm. that we have right now are radiocarbon dates. The Mayan dates are not well understood, not well read yet. So we don't have like an exact day from the Mayan hieroglyphic writings. They're still being read. Uh, we do have geological samples coming in uh, uh, from the Yucatan, uh, U.S. Geological Survey Corps, uh, the Beaumont site in North Carolina. Uh, Dallas Abbott's been doing work on the Hudson River. So we know there was an impact mega tsunami that occurred about 1050, which was about the time of the Sea People's invasions of Europe. Now, the Greeks were working as mercenaries for the Egyptians to counter the invasion of the Sea Peoples. They had a common enemy. What happened with, was is that Plato took Solon's tales and combined them. He, he combined it with memories of the Minoans and also memories of the Holocene star impacts. That's why everything is 10,000 years ago. You know, we know the invasions of the Sea Peoples are right around the period of 1050. We are B.C., and we mm-hmm. also know they came to an abrupt end. Uh, what probably brought them to an abrupt end was the Great Atlantic Impact mega tsunami hitting in Europe as well as hitting in North America. It, uh, we also, uh, it's very interesting, and I'd like to mention this, we see an end of the copper trade, the copper mining up on Lake Superior That's at right. about this. You know, you and I have to take a commercial break, but a lot of people do not realize that the Egyptians and the central Mediterranean countries were actually were actually um, trading with North America for copper way before Columbus has was ever said to discover North America. Stand by, Ed. You and I will be right back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues on the Talk Star Radio Network. If you'd like to give us a call, one 877 is toll-free. And you can always uh, join us here at our X-Zone studios from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. Monday through Friday by calling 1-800-610-7035. Email xzone at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. 
My name is Rob McConnell. Ed Grandin is my special guest. Man and Impacts in the Americas.blogspot.com. And Ed and I will be back on the other side of this break with the news right here on Talkstar. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Ken Elliott, when I'm floating around the universe, I always try to tune in to Rob McConnell. Hi-ho there, Trinity Frog on Sesame Street. When I want to find out what's going on with UFOs or ghosts, I listen to the X-Zone with Rob McConnell. This is Les Corrigan from Target Internet Development. You're listening to Rob McConnell on the X-Zone radio show. This is John Hogue, Prophecy Scholar, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket, never let it fade away. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket, save it for a rainy day. For love may come and tap you on the shoulder some starless night. Just in case you feel you want to hold her, you'll have a pocket. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. Uh, Ed Grandin's my very special guest. His website is manandimpactsintheamericas.blogspot.com. That's manandimpactsintheamericas.blogspot.com. And uh, Ed, uh, you and I were just starting to talk about trading the copper trade uh, going back way before Christopher Columbus, before the Vikings, and even before the Irish monks. And uh, why do you think, Ed, that in school today, kids are still being taught that Christopher Columbus discovered America? I, I don't know. I really couldn't come up with an explanation for it. I mean, the Native Americans are really explicit about mm-hmm. European visitors in their oral histories, uh, which are in my book, uh, you know, they, they set it out. Uh, we know uh, that there is European contact because we have XDNA going back to 8,350 B.C. from Europe to the Americas. And, you know, these people wouldn't have gone the other direction with something valuable like pure copper is uh, very unlikely. And a matter of fact, the peoples remember them taking the copper. Their sites on the copper trade are all there. And again, set out in my book, there's some sites in the copper trade and their routes carrying it to the Atlantic, which I couldn't mention in my book, because they aren't protected, uh, and so I couldn't set them out. I want, I'd like to mention that there's two sites on the Atlantic that I'd like to take a look at on the Atlantic Ocean, and it gets cold here in Illinois, so if Clive Custler's listening, 
uh, you know, I think we could have a great time. Now, why did or what happened to the copper trade? Why did it cease? Well, when the Great Atlantic Impact Mega Tsunami occurred, the trading fleets were pretty well wiped out. And you can find the ships of Tarshish being destroyed in the Bible, in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. And then on this side, it's the same thing. I mean, you have two to three meters, feet, depending upon where you're at, uh, up to 20 feet in Central America of uh, marine sediments. So it's these people are just washed off the face of the earth. You know, there's nobody left. So all these records were put on hold, and why hasn't why hasn't the educational um, communities started teaching this instead of just neglecting it? Well, Native American traditions, and I'm speaking in the sense of oral histories here, not ceremonies, are just generally dismissed as nonsense. Uh, you know, the Europeans came over, our European ancestors came over and took the land. So they just uh, dismissed the Native American histories because they would tell them that they, you know, we were here from forever, you know, for 14,000 years or so, and mm-hmm. they just threw out those histories entirely. They couldn't believe the people that they were conquering were the same people that built the mounds and that had advanced cultures. You mentioned the mounds. Uh, I know there's uh, there's great serpent mounds in Ohio. There are serpent mounds at uh, Serpent Mounds Provincial Park here in Ontario. What is or what was the significance to these mounds? Uh, well, actually, uh, they're still trying to work it out. Uh, we know that Serpent Mound in Ohio was improved at the appearance of Cayley's Comet. Uh, it also seems to have, there seems to have been artifacts. The excavations were very poor. They were done years ago for modern radiocarbon dating. Mm-hmm. That it started off with Comet Inky about 1050 B.C. Uh, so we have some artifact from that, uh, at the time, Serpent Man was actually on the uplift of a, the central uplift of an impact crater, and would it, when the trees were down, it would have had a spectacular view of the sky from horizon to horizon, unobstructed. So it uh, seems that the that the Native Americans and Native Canadians, as well as people like the Mayans and and the Egyptians, spent a lot of time looking into the sky. Well, absolutely. I mean, you had, these people were navigators as well. Uh, People forget that Native Americans had dugout canoes that were ocean-going. And, you know, Egyptian sea trade is quite well known. I mean, their sails to India and to Africa are quite well known down from the uh, east coast of Africa. And when you're at sea at night, you use celestial navigation. These folks had advanced astronomy that they used. Man's first boats are about 60,000 B.C., so you, you have a fairly advanced astronomy in place from that point on. But where did the knowledge, the first knowledge of astronomy, come from? Like, today we need telescopes in order to, to study astronomy. The well, ancients, they didn't have telescopes, did they? It was naked-eye astronomy that they did. Uh, they had naked eye astronomy, and they usually passed on the information uh, via 
what you might what we call myths, but they were actually instructional tales relating to different constellations. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free. Our special guest is Ed Grondine. His website Man and Impacts in the Americas dot blogspot dot com. Uh, we started talking about the twenty twelve movie that's coming out on. November the 13th, we've talked about Combat Impact, we've talked about Atlantis, we've talked about the copper trade. Let's bring ourselves back up to the year 2009. With all the changes in government, with all the funding revisions, how is this affecting NASA and our future space exploration? Well, uh, it's it's actually going very well, uh, despite what you might read. Uh, it's pretty clear from the Ares-1 test failure that the Ares-1 is not a very well-designed rocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, the administrator, Bolden, NASA Administrator Bolden, has ordered a two-month study for looking at the direct launcher, which is pretty good. It's going to save a lot of jobs, be a lot cheaper than the Ares-1 and the Ares-5, and we're talking anywhere from $10 billion to $50 billion cheaper and it's all doable right now. Uh, as far as impacts go, uh, the George Brown Jr. Amendment is still law here in the U.S., and Administrator Bolden is going to carry it out. Uh, the Congress has authorized two reports, from the N- one from the NRC, another from the National Academy of Sciences, and they'll be making their recommendations shortly. So I, I guess that's where it stands. It's 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 actually looking pretty good. I think we're going to get direct, and I think we're going to get back out into space here big time soon. ISS is continuing well, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that cooperation is continuing excellently. Tell me, why is it so important that we have to return to the moon? Uh, I think, well, the... Probably CAPS is probably the real reason, the common asteroid protection system. You can build some large telescopes and radar on the moon mm-hmm. that will give you excellent warning of any impact or heading in the Earth's direction. And given the cost, earlier cost of these things, and the amount of human destruction that these impacts have caused, that's probably a very prudent investment. If you look at China, their national symbol is a dragon. Their yes. historical memories go back to the common impacts that killed the mammoth. That's mm-hmm. where the dragon first appears as the Chinese national symbol. Their first emperor was killed in an impact event. Their entire trading fleet was destroyed in an impact mega tsunami, I think about 1431, is generally given the date for it, um, about that period in time. And that left them open to foreign conquest. Uh, so it's these things are very dangerous, and we'll, we'll need the technology to deal with the next one that does come in. If we have a chunk of Schwarzman Walkman three headed our way, we want to have something to get out there and get it and get it taken care of before it gets in here. We don't want a 15-megaton blast going off someplace on the surface of the Earth. Not if we can help it, at least. Now, you were asking me earlier about the, um, about the ancient... Welcome to Virtual DJ Studio from Next Generation Software. I wanted to mention that they had a uh, one of the reasons for the development of mm-hmm. astronomy, besides celestial navigation for 60,000, was is that 
when the comet fragments hit in North America, the effects of this were felt globally. I mean, these fragments were watched coming in. So you had an emphasis in uh, astronomy that you see developing around the world. Uh, Gobleki Tepe in uh, Turkey, I think, is a perfect example of this. Are more and more people taking up an interest in astronomy as well as astronomical history in order to try and make sense of what's going to happen in the future, Ed? Uh, well, what we're seeing in the meteorite market is that a lot of folks are enjoying collecting meteorites, little bits and pieces of stuff from space. Mm -hmm. uh, in the astronomy, uh, we have automated telescopes that make it very easy to look at the planets and different star systems, and it's a lot of fun. You know, before it was it was a whole lot more difficult for the individual to do that. It's still very difficult, actually, to do naked eye astronomy. It's it's a it's a knack people have. Some people have. Why did you decide to further your interest in? astronomy, uh, with what's going on at NASA, Atlantis, and, and basically history? Well, it, what happened was I was, I was just writing on the Soviet and Chinese space programs mm -hmm. and just was doing op-ed pieces and picked up on the impact story at the time of the uh, catastrophe movie uh, Meteorite, I think it was, and I stumbled into the work of the European scientists who were working through recent impact events, and I realized that NASA didn't quite understand what a severe problem this really was. This is also an incredibly useful tool for historical research. It just fills in so many holes. You know, we, we know what happened to the peoples living on the East Coast. We know what happened to the Olmec. They were hit by an impact megatsunami. You know, now we know what happened to the mammoth. They're killed off by impact, comet impact. You know, it's just solving a number of historical mysteries here. We, we, we know why they're spending so much money building structures like Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. uh, Did we ever, have, have we ever discovered what the true meaning or the f true purpose of Stonehenge was? Well, the astronomical alignments of that are fairly well known. The building periods occur exactly when we've had impacts from Comet Inky, mm -hmm. where we had uh, in the last 5,000 years, you can time the building phases of Stonehenge with uh, climate and impact effects from Comet Inky. What other... Um locations around the world like uh, Stonehenge are there. For example, I, I know that the Great Pyramid at Giza is astronomically... Uh, Baha. Baha? Yeah, ha, very much alive, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What other locations are there, to your knowledge? Well, there's a, <laughs> there's so many I can't... Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's so many. Uh, I can't think, you know... To, to pick up one is tough. I mean, I'll, let me mention Newark here in the United States because... Nobody can tell you There's only one song worth singing They may try 
Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Ed Grandin is our special guest this hour. His website is www.manandimpactsintheamericas.blogspot.com. And uh, Ed, how would you like to uh, how would you like to wrap up this uh, this hour? Uh, well, uh, Rob, I'll uh, mention a few of the more of the astronomical sites here in the Americas. You have the group in the Andes that are astronomically aligned. There's Palenque. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casas Grandes, uh, Casa Grande. One of my favorites is at Wupatki, outside of Flagstaff, Arizona. It's a beautiful observatory there. And uh, I think finally I'd like to um, offer your listeners a special deal on my book. If they'll send me an email at epgrandine at yahoo.com, I'll and mention that you heard me on the Rob McConnell show, and it would be $20 plus shipping to wherever you are. And please, in your message, if you have Native American heritage, be sure and mention that to me. Ed, as always, it's great having you on the show. Um, Rob, it's always great to talk with you. You know, I, I, I'm just I'm just thinking of the uh, the movie 2012 that's coming out, and I, I, I don't know. I, I really... I really hope that people don't take it too serious. Well, you know, it's strange. If you look at the advertising budget for that uh, versus what's spent mm-hmm. on uh, on actually trying to find stuff coming towards the Earth, it's it's just, uh, you know, the budgets just aren't comparable. I mean, at all. It's kind of a misappropriation of money. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the movie, but... Uh, you know, it's going to have great special effects, but you know, I just hope people. Uh, all I got to say is, don't drink the Kool Aid and uh, put the scissors <laughs> away. And uh, once again, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you and promote your book one more time. Okay, uh, just uh, send me an email, epgrandine at yahoo dot com, and uh, you can see that at, at my blog spot. It's out there. To give you kind of an idea of everything that's in it, and uh, that's the deal. And take care of yourself. We look forward to the next time when you and I visit here in the X Zone. So until then, keep your eyes to the sky, my friend. Rob, always a pleasure, and I always do. All right, take care, Ed. Ed Grondine, his blog spot, Man and Impacts in the Americas. Blogspot.com, and uh, still to come on tonight's show. You know what? There is nothing more to come on tonight, show because this is the very last segment. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking each and every one of you for allowing us to be part of your day or night, no matter where you are on this great big world of ours. To my wife and senior producer, the lovely Laura Rogers, thank you, sweetie, for all your help. And uh, to you, the Exxon Nation, thank you for allowing us to be part of your day or night, no matter where you are on this great big planet. So until tomorrow night, as once again you and I cross the time-space continuum to this place that we call the X-Zone. 
always, Exo Nation, take care of each other. And if you've got a child at home, give them a hug, give them a kiss. Let them know they are loved because the children of today are truly the leaders of tomorrow. And once again, next time you go outside, always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now. <laughs>